Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton, Greg White with you right here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing fantastic. I love, you know, you you raised the standard on um, colorful shirts as as with your lavender or purple t-shirt today. Thank you. And I had to meet that standard. So I one up you with uh, almost like uh, uh, Joseph's Technicolor coat here today. All the different colors I've got. <laughs> I feel like there might be a little purple in there. We're kind of color coated yeah. today. Um, so, <laughs> by the way, we've got a wonderful Halloween costume idea uh, Amanda came up with. We'll, we'll wait till after the show to, to oh, dive okay, into that. Great. But hey, today is about the supply chain buzz, about some of the biggest stories, most important stories that you need to be tracking across global business. And yeah. we, we offer the buzz up to you every Monday, 12 noon Eastern time. And today's show, Greg, is powered by our friends at Omnia Partners, where they are reshaping the future of purchasing, aren't they? Well, you know, I, I think about this frequently ever since we have had our Arslanian on and some of their other folks that we've talked to, I think their slogan ought to be, why would you go it alone? Right. I mean, they're a group purchasing organization for anyone who doesn't know. But, um, you know, the power that that presents and not just negotiating power, but the opportunity to have additional vendors that you haven't found or thought of. I mean, there's just so much power in that. And thinking about where small businesses are today, it feels like it's the right time to get into these kind of communities to really start to you know, improve the results that your company can have. So many people are outsourcing or multi-sourcing or communalizing so many things. This just seems so sensible. Agreed. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it does. It <laughs> seems so sensible, right? We're gonna, Yes, agreed. We're going to say hello to everybody momentarily. I want to bring Gary's remark in. Gary says, hey, everyone, not used to seeing Greg on the left. What gives? I've been demoted. Uh, Gary, I have been demoted. <laughs> you know, you know, you are one of us when you notice that difference. That's right. Gary, hope this right. finds you well and great to have you I'm here today. I'm left-handed, Gary, so we're trying something new. That's, That's what right. we do. All right. But we were talking about Omnia Partners a second ago, and they have got a big event coming up in September in Miami, yeah. Connections 2021. So, Greg, get this. So, it's free to attend for supply chain and sourcing and purchasing leaders. They've got keynotes, expos, networking, you name it. 400 plus attendees is what they're expecting to have down in the Magic City. We're going to be broadcasting live on Monday uh, the 27th, and we're going to be uh, knocking out uh, several interviews down there while we're amongst the Connections 21, uh, 2021 community. So you can join us, though, September 27th through 29th in Miami, and you can learn more by checking out the link we've got in the show notes. You ready to head down to Miami, Florida? Who's not ready for that? I mean, I feel like there ought to be a fourth bullet there. Learn, network, grow Miami. <laughs> Maybe you should start with Miami. That's right. <laughs> I love Miami that. Miami in September, okay, people? 
Miami well, in September and all and on this huge collection of knowledge around around procurement. You know, Omnia Partners are one of those groups that they're in the um, a short list of companies that really invest in uh, content and and facilitating those best practices, yeah. uh, kind of building a community. There's going to be tons of market intel and and knowledge and uh, expertise exchange down there, and and you know that doesn't come cheap to be able to put on events like this. So so big thumbs up to our friends at Omnia Partners. We're looking forward to being down there. As Greg says, learn, network, grow, Miami. So love that. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Okay, let me share a couple other. Uh, events that need to be on your radar uh, August 18th we're partnering with our friends at Quip and Alloy uh, learn about Quip's omnichannel evolution we got Imran Patel you're not going to want to miss it Greg one of Amanda Luton's favorite companies long before this webinar ever came about you know yeah and you can tell by her shiny teeth just how effective <laughs> this device is so Quip is an electric toothbrush that they started selling direct before they started selling into retail and now they sell through all these retail channels. So it's a great juxtaposition. Let's just try that word on for size, Scott, juxtaposition. Better nice, you than right? me. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's a great combination of, of traditional retail and e-commerce retail, direct to consumer. Um, so there's a lot to learn here because there is a lot of that going on. Most companies seem to be coming from physical retail into e-com or, or brands coming from even distribution into direct to consumer. And I, this is a great example of how all of that works together. Agreed. Join us August 18th, 12 noon. The link to join is in the show notes. And finally, of course, Lars Asiri and the huge Supply Chain Insights Global Summit coming up in September. We are pr very proud to be the exclusive virtual provider of the, of the uh, digital feed of the event. But you got to register. And it's, it's not an inexpensive event, but it's going to be jam-packed two and a half days, I believe, September 7th through the 9th. Learn more at the link that we've got in the show notes. All right. So, Greg, um, you ready to say hello to a few folks? Let's do. There are a few folks out there, aren't there? There are. Shrinivas is back from India once again. Uh, he's Never always not on, I noticed, over the weekend. So, usually I'm not on LinkedIn so much over the weekend, but I noticed that he is He out is. There. And uh, I, I want to pose a question to always him. Always learning, right? I think. I think so. We want him to share. So, Shrinivas, uh, from a supply chain standpoint, you know, what's what's one big topic that's been on your mind? Whether it's you know related to the um, Indian markets there, and and of course, um, we, we've heard some progress made from the COVID spikes from uh, you know forty five days or so ago. But tell us what's yeah. the the big the big practitioner issue that you're working through. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, let's see here. Mustafa. Hey, he loves, he loves your purple t-shirt, Mustafa. I love that. It's all uh, in the lighting. It's, actually, it's pretty <laughs> faded. <I'm> just <laughs> Kelvin says, hello from Zambia. Great to see you here, Kelvin. Look forward to your perspective being shared. Oh, um, when we kind of add or re-up a country here and there. I mean, that is fantastic. There, there are so many people across Africa so engaged in global supply chain, right? Agreed. Hey, Mustafa, uh, afraid to start his own business. Hey, tune in to Tequila Sunrise. You get some of the best entrepreneurial leadership founder advice ever. And where can they find Tequila Sunrise, Greg? They can find it wherever they get their podcasts or on YouTube. That's and right. if you are just starting out, one of the, I'm, you know, I'm just going to 
I'm just going to pitch one, um, one episode, the seven things you need to do for, to build a three minute pitch. And there's nothing like that makes you understand your business, like having to communicate every aspect of it in three minutes. And it really doesn't matter whether it's a tech business or any other business. It really forces you to understand both what investors are looking for and what you need to know about your business to make it successful. Love that. And it's okay to be scared. Use that as fuel. So uh, thanks for joining us here today, Mustafa. Yeah, if you're not, if you're not scared, it's you're just th- just plain crazy. You got to yeah, be a might- little bit crazy to be an entrepreneur, maybe a lot crazy. <laughs> right. but you're just plain crazy if you're not scared. Might be a bot. Might be a bot if you're not That's scared. Right. Hey, Precious is tuned in via Nigeria. Great to have you here, Precious. Look forward to your uh, perspective. Sushil is back with us uh, via LinkedIn. Sushil, welcome back. Great to have you. Oh, Aaron Smitak is back. Wow, Aaron, she's back. It's been a long time. Great to have you back. Uh, looking forward to hearing your perspective here today yeah. as we walk through four stories. And with that, that's a perfect segue because with that, Greg, we're going to get to work. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. So let's bring this back into the stream here. So story mm-hmm. number one, Greg, we're talking about one of Greg's favorite topics, China. Um, in particular, let's talk about the manufacturing industry in China. Yeah. So, Greg, according to this report via Reuters, manufacturing activity in China in July, well, it expanded, but at the slowest pace they've seen in the last 17 months. Analysts expected it to slow down from June to July, but the numbers came in lower than they had expected. Mm-hmm. So several factors they identified. Bad weather, as central China had record flooding in July. That's never good. Uh, higher raw material costs, of course. Mm-hmm. Equipment maintenance and, and associated activities. Surging logist- logistics costs, of course. And one other big st- signal stood out from the data. The new export order index was at its lowest level since July of 2020. So, Greg, Fine. when it comes to uh, the manufacturing market, in China and its activities, what, what are you tracking there? Well, um, I, I think that we're seeing this globally, right? And China is seeing the impact of it. Even at their relatively low r- labor rates, it's, it was hard to get labor into the shop to work yep. because of the flooding um, and because of all the impacts that are hitting the rest of the supply chain. They're hitting, they're hitting China even at a greater order of magnitude, because China is still the largest producer of so many things in in the world, um, it's natural to see that happen when you see global commerce kind of slowing because of all these cost factors. I think really this is a ripple effect of consumers um, recognizing that at least in, I think it's like 21 states in the US that they won't be continuing to get the uh, pandemic unemployment assistance, the federal government's extra three to $600 a week mm. that were being sent to, to folks to stay home. Um, and the clock is ticking in, in all of those states. Most of those states cease to get that, cease to accept that on June 1st. And then state unemployment kicked in, which only lasts for eight weeks and has, of course, un- unlike pandemic unemployment, has the requirement that you actually search for a job. So uh, with so many jobs on the line, I feel like this is a temporary thing. It will come back because people will start getting back to work and all of these 
logistics costs and the difficulty in completing maintenance and that sort of thing will start to come down, will start to um, loosen up and, and we'll be able to get more work done. Yep. So I, I just think it's just a big impact on the world. And China is one of the biggest places you can impact in that regard. Excellent. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Let's uh, let's keep tracking. I, I, I want to touch on this second issue. This is pretty cool. And I know this is one of the stories you dove in a little deeper yeah. on, on LinkedIn it's earlier coincidental, today. coincidental, by the way. It's almost like a mind meld, Scott. I think we've done this three <laughs> weeks in a row, right, where you, you've picked – um, you've picked something that, that wound up in my little daily paper, right? Mm. We try, we try very hard to keep up with you, Greg. It can be challenging. We're challenging on some days. I'm not sure who's copying who. I may have copied you on this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in story number two here, so talking tractors and related provisions, one of Greg's favorite words in story number two, as tractor supply company is accelerating its investment in its supply chain infrastructure. So according to Edwin Lopez over at Supply Chain Dive, one of our favorite publications, the growing company plans to add three new distribution centers to its network over the next five years. So by that time, once they add three more, they'll be at 11 distribution centers. The first of these three new ones, though, uh, uh, is already under construction. They broke ground in Navarre, Ohio. I think is how, how that said, Navarre, N-A-V-A-R-R-E, Ohio. Greg, any ideas of why they chose that part of the country? Well, I'm guessing Ohio has a really strong physical, I mean, workforce, right? I don't mean physically strong physical workforce, but there are a lot of people who are uh, good with distribution and manufacturing and all those sorts of things in that part of the country. Yep. Am I right? Workforce talent and logistics efficiencies. You know, yeah. Ohio is also known for its its logistics environment and network. No word yet on where they're going to break ground on other two sites. This is part of a plan, $2.5 billion with a B, as in Bezos, in capital expenses over the next five years. But they're making the investment earlier, which is is, is, a, is a big reason why it's a story here today. So the goal, they say they want to provide one-day delivery to 99% of their customers while improving profitability. Mm-hmm. Tractor Supply Company has also, Greg, been opening a lot more stores to take advantage of BOPUS activity, one of our favorite acronyms around here. So, Greg, I'll tell you, old Colin, uh, Colin Yankee and the yeah. team are showing how it gets done. Am I right? They are. And this is not new for for um, Tractor Supply. They have been a strong logistics supply chain organization for a long, long time. I mean, I did business with them ages ago, long, long time ago. I don't remember exactly when, but I remember they had those little characters in their commercials back then. So, which still I think are some of the greatest commercials ever, but now they're not, you know, and they were just sort of a big farm and fleet store, meaning in farming and around farming communities and that sort of thing. And now there's one up the street from me, not near any farming whatsoever. They have become like an ACE hardware or, even a, a smaller Home Depot um, with some, you know, some additional uh, other other things that you don't get. I mean, imagine being able to go someplace where you can get the stuff you want to work on, use to work on in your backyard or your, your garden and dog food. Right. Right. I mean, it's kind of like that. So uh, it's a great concept. It apparently wor- is working in retail or in uh, in r- uh, urban areas or relatively urban areas, at least suburban. In, in addition to the urban or the rural areas, man, 
wake this guy up. In, in addition to the rural areas that they've always been in. Right. And um, and how about Colin Yankee? Is that not the most ironic name for a guy who lives in Nashville? <laughs> well, you know, we were talking about Colin Powell last week. Yeah. And you're right. It is Colin Yankee, not Colin. My apologies, uh, Colin. Um, but you know, Colin, we, not as ironic as Yankee, <laughs> right? We, and we've had a couple of great interviews with Colin. Yeah. One just a couple months ago. So we'll have to do a check in uh, with him and get it here, kind of from the horse's mouth about what's going on behind some of these press releases. But it's exciting. I love the acceleration. I love how they're leveraging their stores. Um, uh, in, in a modern-day retail way, and as part of their overall supply chain uh, plan. So a lot of good news coming out from Tractor Supply Company. Now, yeah, yeah. let's no say doubt. hello to a few of the folks that have joined us since. Manju tuned in via LinkedIn from Nova Scotia. Great Nova to have you Scotia, here. Nova Scotia, where it's already winter, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that sounds great to me. It was pretty hot this weekend down hey, in our neck of the woods. We're going to get some relief in the next couple of days, but you're right. It was 97 degrees so and stay 91% tuned. <laughs> humidity in Atlanta. Stay tuned for weather on the top of the hour right here yeah, on Supply Chain right. Now. That's right. <laughs> Over here, we got <laughs> John Buglino. High, high pressure center. <laughs> that jet stream just keeps <laughs> on coming. Uh, John Buglino from Optessa is with us via LinkedIn. Great to see you, John. Hope this finds you well. He's got a little... Purple, you know, maybe today is just purple, purple Monday. Um, great to see you, John. Uh, Aaron Smitak was talking about, you know, who other countries are handed out money like the U.S. One of your um, favorite topics, Greg, but we won't get, we'll save. There We're was pass. a time and a place for it, right? But that time and place has long since passed mm-hmm. with millions of jobs open, right? Yes. Enough said. And speaking of millions of jobs open in supply chain, where right. Manju is starting her career in supply chain. So congrats, hey, man. As you tell you're us looking uh, in the States because it's <laughs> right. so good. There's a job for you. Tell us uh, if you like uh, what you're doing uh, as you start your career in supply chain. We'd love to learn more yeah. uh, from where you are there in Nova Scotia. Uh, Catalina is tuned in via Columbia and LinkedIn. Great to see you, Catalina. Yeah. Welcome back. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. Oh, you know, who's back with us, right? Mohib. Oh, Mohib. Mohib is back with us. Great to see you. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for the shout out this weekend. By the way, Mohib, I appreciate the nudge there. Where's your your name tag? Oh, my gosh. Where is it? (laughs) You know, I've been moving stuff around in here and I, it's on the wrong shelf. I can tell already. Mervin tuned in from Dublin. Great to see you, Mervin. Hope this finds you well. Dr. Vias is back with us. Simon is back. He's got a there new headshot. Simon, how you doing? I like I, um, I like the new headshot, my friend. He's smiling in this one. He wasn't smiling in that last he one. Was not. He? Hey, life is better. <laughs> life is better. All right. So let's move right along to the next story here today. Let's see here. Now, Greg, you know that we like our lists around here, right? Especially yeah. Amanda loves a good list. She loves writing down a good list. So Industry Week recently rolled out its 2021 50 Best U.S. Manufacturers list. So um, I want to share a little background first, and then we'll talk about some of the companies. So the, the Top 50 list, Greg, comes out of their annual Top 500 publicly held U.S. Manufacturing Company list, right? The factors for these rankings include revenue and re- revenue growth, 
inventory turns, profit margin, asset turnover, return on assets, and return on equity. It, it's hmm. a three-year review, but the current year is weighted the most. I think it's weighted like 50%. Um, the number one company on the list this year is BWX Technologies, the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia. Now, on a cool huh. little sidebar here, Rick McDonald and our friends at Clorox come in at number six. So uh, I know you love a good list. I'm not, I'm not sure if no you've doubt. seen the, the full top 50, but uh, any thoughts that you saw? I'm, I'm the, curious what the heck it is that BWX does. That's what I can't figure out. So are you Googling right now? I, I, I'm doing it right now. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh, nuclear operations group. So they have a nuclear operations group. Yep. Nuclear components and fuel to the U.S. government. How about that? So hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we are building power plants, not the alternative. <laughs> Iran will have something to say about that if we are building the alternative, I'm sure. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting. I really like the way that they um, that they attack the ranking. Right. It sounds very Laura Ciceri esque in terms of how efficient and effective they are in 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 and around supply chain i mean they're not just saying best quality but they're also talking about how how effectively they turn over their inventory the profit margins and return on assets and things like that so those are good uh measures of an effective manufacturer agreed and speaking of lars Ciceri, uh you know we're going to be having three executives from the supply chains we admire list which is great research uh that laura puts out laura and the team puts out each year um speaking at the conference in september at the global summit let's see if uh amanda or jada or clay if we can drop the link to uh the supply chains to admire supply chains we admire research in the comments that'd be wonderful mm -hmm. and and big thanks to clay and amanda and jada behind the scenes today helping us to make the buzz happen. Okay. So Greg, look here, man's use responding. So she's starting her internship with gray bar. Oh, with gray bar. Wow. Also a good supply chain organization. I mean, did business with them way back when more, more than two decades ago. So, uh, really seriously powerful team there. Yes. She's got 16 plus years in the IT business development space. So now she's applying that to the worldwide supply chain market. I love that, Manju. Congrats. Yeah. That Best reminds me of when we were in Austin a couple of Novembers ago, right? And we just saw, it was like that show. We saw so many people. It was a Reuters show, I think. It, we saw so many people that had come to supply chain from physics and mathematics and I don't even remember what all, but that diversity of knowledge is so, so powerful. And I think is it continues to upskill the, the um, practice. Agreed. The, the craft. That's what I'm supposed to call it. <laughs> That's true. Well, hey, best of luck, man. We look forward to putting our finger on the pulse and seeing how it goes. Um, so, Simon, back to the story. And we're talking about the uh, Industry Week 50 Best U.S. Manufacturers list. He says, I guess sustainability is not high on the top 50 assessment then. You know, it, it they didn't, um, from the story itself, they didn't spell that out as uh, one of the key factors. So 
I don't know. He may be speaking of, of nuclear. Right. Right. <laughs> Specifically. Right. And Precious yeah. says, Simon Joner, I think so too. And sustainability is key. We agree That's with true. you, Precious. We agree. That's true. Okay. So, Greg, man, we're rolling through these stories uh, very like quickly today. Yes. So, uh, this last story, this is kind of a this this may be in your blind spot. A little bit, a little bit of this was certainly in my blind spot. So, as reported by CNBC, a big acquisition recently closed in the last few days, powered by the growing BNPL market. Perhaps, Greg, a new acronym for some folks around here. Buy now, pay later. BNPL. Right. Certainly not a new approach by any means. But this deal, so Jack Dorsey's Square Company will be acquiring the Australian fintech company Afterpay. Now, Greg, Afterpay offers its 16 million customers, dang, the ability to pay for their items in four interest-free installments. So get this, the market that it serves, the market these platforms play in, the BNPL technology and platform market, well, that was valued at $7.3 billion in 2019, and it's expected to grow to $33.6 billion in 2027. Lots of players already in the market, in, in this uh, niche market. Affirm, PayPal, MasterCard, Fiserve, some of those. Mm-hmm. Apple is getting into this, this space here. They're going to be launching an, an installment lending program with Goldman Sachs in the months ahead. Now, here's some surprising, perhaps surprising information for you. So according to payments.com, and that's kind of abbreviated, it's P-Y-M-N-T-S.com. I only know how to pronounce it if it was uh, payments. Right. Uh, um, More than 26% of millennials and nearly 11% of Gen Z consumers had tapped BNPL to finance their most recent online purchases, compared to only 7.5% of older generations who had done the same. One BNPL doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, does it? No. Um, industry executive says that most of their customers, and referring to these numbers, own a credit card, but prefer to use it only for emergency expenses and want more flexibility with their standard monthly expenses. So, Greg, I would say what's old is new again, but I do find these shifting, whatever we're calling it these days, the shifting retail dynamics to be really intriguing. Your take? I think it's trouble. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can pay for, I I get why you would, of course, the incentive is incredible. If if it's no interest and you can pay over four months or some other period of time rather than all at once, um, why would you not? I mean, all the economics would say that you should, right? What my concern is, and I've seen this as more than a slight cultural trend for these generations is that because because um, there are many who don't manage their money very well, they've only got enough to pay for a quarter of it right now, and they're hoping they'll have a, enough to pay for a quarter of it down the road three other times. And that is a recipe for disaster, right? Um, so I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how these companies make money if they're not charging interest. Is there a fee? Is there a fee to the seller? Because that seems demotivational is there a fee to the user it doesn't say so does it so it doesn't seem like there is and i haven't studied it much but i 
I don't know about this. R- remember layaway? <laughs> when you say that which is old is new again. Yes. Right? Remember layaway? But I in do. layaway, you didn't get it till you paid for all of it. Right. 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 So the motivation was definitely there to pay it off or or risk your own money by having paid and then not paying it off. Right. Yeah, it will be interesting to see all that the BNPL uh, model applies to, right? Um, and any supply chain ramifications. Uh, so we'll see. We're going to keep our finger on the pulse. Uh, Clearly, economic ramifications too, right? right? I mean, I mean, I think this is just free debt. Is um, arguably free debt, right? right? But it, it is nonetheless debt. You know, it's it's funny because you just made me think of something, and that was, I don't know, it was one of one of my um, supply chain commentaries where we were talking about new ways of of retailers and shippers right. paying paying for goods and how that wasn't being treated as a debt on the balance sheet and yet was overburdening these companies with debt, even though the vendors were paid, but the companies that were paying them were not yet. So you'd have to, I mean, I, I see something very similar. It doesn't look like debt on the balance sheet of a human being, but it is nonetheless debt. Agreed. Agreed. Um, we're going to, we're going to keep, you know, clearly there's a, this is a growing sector, right? And, and you can tell just by some of the names that are getting into and, and now are leveraging uh, their uh, customers and giving them one more program, uh, you know, to, to, to increase that stickiness. So we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. But, you know where my brain went to when I read this. Yeah, tell me. And yeah. BNPL, um, you know, it takes me back to 1996. And in 1996, I had separated from the Air Force my first go around because I got a scholarship. Right, so I was going to college for the first time, and you had to have, you know, those those necessary things you have to have in college. Uh, you know, textbooks and pencils. And adult beverages and stereo <laughs> systems. <laughs> so, right, I'm, I'm exactly. Walking, I'm walking through as a as a you know a twenty uh, I don't know twenty year old I guess walking through a now bankrupt department store, and I see one of these newfangled three D uh, three disc uh, uh, stereo systems, right? Oh yeah, and. This is, in fact, I was able to Google and find just about this is just about the exact thing that I purchased at this retailer, and only two hundred and seventy-seven payments later, it was all mine. It was all mine. It probably I can't imagine the interest I paid on this thing, but you know, as I thought about this, and this is it almost looked exactly like this, but it really I was thinking about, you know, uh, that urge I had as a as a as a young consumer to get access to that credit and then apply it. And, and, and I made a lot of bad decisions. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really cool to kind of, kind of put that perspective around how the folks that are tapping into BNPL, you know, an interest free, um, you know, kind of, um, I wish we had maybe, uh, kind of a new, new take on, uh, access to debt back when I was bebopping through that Sears, but Hey, you know, uh, the concept's been around quite a while, and we'll see how we'll see what's powering this this niche sector. I'm, I may buy an item on uh, a firm is the one I see most prominently advertised, and also I refuse to give any more money to Jack Dorsey. I don't, I don't <laughs> think I think owning two decabillion dollar companies is 
is sufficient, don't you? Right. Agreed. Um, <laughs> um, but but I might try it because my suspicion is, as you were talking there, my suspicion is as uh, as it often was with with other financing schemes in the past in the eighties and nineties was that you paid more for the product. Right. And I wonder if the price doesn't go up just enough to cover the, you know, the convenience of the payments. And also I think about the, you know, the usual argument for spreading out payments, even without interest is the ability to, uh, you know, to make money on that cash. And I wonder if people are really doing that. If you're not making money on that cash, then you are paying only slightly less because a week or a month or whatever letter, even inflation hasn't significantly impacted the value of your money yet. So it's not like you're paying with tremendously less valuable do- dollars. So, and it's a very short time frame in which it would be very risky to make a significant amount of money on the free cash that you didn't spend. So I'm not sure what the real attraction there is. I don't think there's a, I'm not, and let me preface this with, I am not an economist <laughs> and I can show you the grades in my college classes in economics to prove it. Um, but, but the, you know, just the base economics don't, don't seem to bear out. It seems more like a convenience or a cash management thing and cash management because you don't have the cash is always a dangerous and slippery slope. Yeah. And well, as Mohib says here, it's debt for consumer and account receivables for the company. It's great for both parties at first glance, but risk and reward have to be well calculated and monitored so it does not get out of hand. Excellent point there. And then, hey, Manju, I'm, I'm glad you can relate to my um, the $300 sound system that I probably ended up paying $1,200 for. You um, and half the planet, right? Yeah. I mean, it feels like it. You know, that that's a big thing in – in South America, when I was doing a lot of business in South America, we saw frequently you could buy a table and chairs and finance it. And what well, wasn't effective, you'd go on payments and the, the well, let's just put it this way. The interest rate it, that they charged is illegal in the United States of America. Wow. And, and several of those companies that were doing that were brought under extreme scrutiny by the governments of their respective countries in South America. So it, there, there is something, um, something wicked this way comes. Right. In my opinion. Well, so precious says, I think teaching children financial management early would help in preventing future generations from walking that path because this is so relatable. I agree with you, precious. And, you know, uh, not too long ago, um, few weeks back i saw a commercial for go henry and it was really it's a neat platform where you get you don't give your children a credit card but you're able to enable with with restrictions certain e-commerce and you can control how much you know they're basically you can give them their allowance mm-hmm. in uh, digitally you know and let them with controls apply that to different e-commerce decisions and, and spending decisions and whatnot I think that's pretty cool. I, had, yeah. I have not enrolled, and and by the way, Go Henry is not a sponsor at all here at Supply Chain yeah. now. But well, I liked so to, the so model. to prove that, let me highlight another. There's a company based here in Atlanta called Greenlight, and it's precisely that. It's a debit card for kids that also teaches them financial responsibility, as well as enabling 
reasonable and rational spending. I think when, you know, when you're doing this kind of thing, yep. it's responsible to say, what else could you do with the money? Right. Um, and, and I, I think a vehicle or a, a, a card or whatever it is that says, Hey, here's, here are the economics of the decision you're making. Here's what else you could be doing with the money. Yep. So agreed. And Mohib says a graders work for B graders in a company owned by C graders financed by D graders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> How true. How true. Um, well, Greg, you know, we were so efficient getting through our uh, stories here today. And I think it's here at the start of a month. Sometimes uh, the live streams at the very start of the month, everybody's wrapping up the previous month or planning yeah. the current month. Um, but what else, you know, since we have a little extra time, you know, what else is on your radar or what's a good question you want to throw out there to our folks in the skyboxes, the cheap, cheap sheets, Cheap seats. <laughs> well, you name it. What what what's on your mind, Greg? This morning. That's that's a very dangerous question. But what is it? Well, it's a very mundane answer, as you would not expect, and that is um, being an empty nester and no longer having to worry about these things. I'm fascinated by what the impact of back to school has been. Now, it hasn't started everywhere, but Scott, I think your kids went back today or go back tomorrow. Is that correct? That's right. Tomorrow, bright and early. Yeah. So, you know, what one of the things that I've seen in the news, and this is this is as regards supply chain, but I'm really interested more in how it's impacting individuals, consumers, whatever we want to call ourselves. But one of the things I've seen recently is that because of the hiccups in the supply chain, that there may no, may, may be no peak season in the States. And peak season traditionally starts, though we think of it as kind of the Thanksgiving to Christmas holidays and New Year's uh, until return season on December 26th, uh, Boxing Day in Canada. Um, <laughs> I've never seen a match, not one, on the 26th of December in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole different kind of boxing. Um, but, but what is not commonly known in retail is that the back to school typically kind of starts the peak season, and it is a peak for certain businesses in and of itself, because you sell a lot of dorm fridges and backpacks and pencils or whatever kids used to write these days. If kids even write these days, they quit teaching cursive so long ago. I'm not sure that it's even worth it for kids to write. Um, but you know, laptops and who knows what, right? New yep. shoes and whatever else. So I'm really interested in that dynamic. And if it is, and maybe you, and maybe we can bring on Amanda or maybe you can speak to what kind of a upheaval or, uh, you know, or impact it's having on your household right now. That is a great question. Let me, let me see in the green room. If Amanda gives us the thumbs up or the thumbs down for joining us, Amanda, would you like to speak to some uh, upheaval? Okay. All right. Well, let's swoosh Amanda Luton into the stream. Hey, Amanda, man, on the spot. How you doing? Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, completely unplanned, but yeah, and, you and, can hear all that, right, Amanda? So, oh, wait, you're muted, of course. <laughs> of, of course I am. See, I'm totally unprepared. I, I 
to being behind the scenes. Yes, I can hear everything now. <laughs> well, so, so speak. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah. Give us an idea of what's going on in your household with back to school. And yeah. So what I was actually in the middle of typing before y'all invited me live, um, which is kind of unique for our school system, Walton County Schools in Georgia has actually taken their federal dollars and all of the, the money, the relief dollars and everything um, that's been provided by the government and have uh, purchased school supplies for every single student um, throughout the whole county. Um, also taken, I don't, I'm not, not sure of the exact government agency, but whatever money that they were provided also to, to pay for um, lunches and breakfast, you know, the, the food for kids, they have paid, they've provided enough money so that all kids can have free um, breakfasts and lunches at school every single day throughout the whole school year. So our school, wow. system, I mean, isn't that amazing? Which by the way, our three kids, I haven't seen them celebrate. Love school lunch. <laughs> they love school lunch? Really? Yes. They love it. I mean, I, I, I guess that, that speaks to how quickly and, 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 effortlessly I put together school lunches. I just throw a couple things in their lunches, but they love getting school lunch. So that's like a huge deal in our household. But the amount of, of stress and pressure that that has, that the, the school supplies being provided and the, the breakfast and lunch being provided has taken an enormous pressure, you know, off of my shoulders in particular, but, but our, our shoulders um, as a household, because that stuff gets expensive, you know? Right. Well, yeah, and, and this year, and that, not, it's a crush to get all of that stuff bought. Right? Oh my gosh. Well, and we have three kids, you know, I, I right. think about it all the time. You know, I have friends that have four and five children. Um, and you, you know, you're paying for not only for pens and pencils and stuff, but especially this year, Clorox wipes, you know, hand sanitizer, we were providing it a lot in the past, but um, particularly this year. And luckily, you know, we've kind of, every time we see it in the store, we pick some up. So we've been stockpiling it for a long time, you know, thinking that when they go back to school, we'll have to provide more. But, um, you know, depending on, on where you are, different locations, there can be, um, you know, that stuff can be sold out still at this point in time. But mm. So um, you made me think that that's really interesting. And wow, um, I wish, and I bet a lot of people right now wish they were as pre prepared as you getting stuff way ahead of the season yeah. and knowing that you're a prepared parent as regards the holiday without giving away any secrets, <laughs> like what the gift is, are you, I mean, because you're kind of tuned into what's going on in supply chain. And I think we can largely expect there to be great shortages of things yeah. for the holidays. Are you planning ahead for that as well? You know, I typically, I plan, let's say, I play more than Scott does. Scott's a Christmas Eve shopper, but I definitely Yeah, plan. we're going to be screwed this year, Scott. <laughs> yeah. I plan Christmas Eve is today. Not usually, but, but typically, you know, I don't plan too far. I start shopping after Thanksgiving. You know, I like to to, to give myself a little bit of, of um, time, but not a ton. But this year, I definitely, I've already asked the kids to start their Christmas lists, um, getting some ideas, um, you know, looking on Amazon, looking on, um, you know, Walmart website, looking on mm -hmm. you know, specific stores in particular, um, doing a little bit of shopping in person already, which I mean, typically, like I said, I don't start shopping till November and I'm already starting now just anticipating wow. those delays. I don't like it, but I think it's, 
we're going to have to, it, it, yeah. especially like with our kids, you can't just say, you know, I want Barbies this year or I want Legos. Then it picks out the very specific set of Legos, you know, that he wants. And, you know, the girls have um, very specific ideas in mind. So it's, it's not like I could just go out, pick out a Barbie and, you know, and just be fine with it. They're kind of picky. So I'm having to, um, to ask what they're, you know, ask what they want now seek it out. And, and you know, a lot of times just go ahead and get it now. Our yeah. kids believe in very active feedback cycles. Very, very active. <laughs> I've experienced that. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. way um, I'm, I'm glad Greg, I appreciate that this is on your mind and it's neat to hear a managed perspective as uh, yeah. school and holidays. And clearly it, um, I don't have a stat handy, but um, in our, it, it's really interesting. Uh, the females in the family have the purchasing power. Amanda's one making oh, all of those decisions. Okay. You know, I've seen some some procurement statistics not too long ago, maybe from Kelly Barner around that. Hmm. But it just kind of hit me right now, Amanda. I mean, you're you're the one making a lot of the a ton of whether it's retail or other consumer decisions. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, honestly, I I don't know why that's not focused on more, you know, because not only is it school supplies, but it's, um, it's our weekly lunches or our weekly, you know, grocery shopping. I'm the one that makes all of those purchases, any, um, school clothes or any clothes in general, I make those, you know, I'm in services. Of those purposes. Yeah. So, yeah. um, that, that's interesting to think about. And I yep. think there's, um, I think there are retailers that are aware of that, that, that you, Amanda, and, and other women and families typically make the plans and purchases and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I wonder, and I wonder if you've seen any of this in the, you know, some of the preparatory shopping that you've been doing. I wonder if you see that retailers are prepared for this early surge of shopping, which I, I mean, I think you're, you're an exceptional planner and maybe it won't be like a big, big impact on, you know, by consumers. Mm -hmm. But some people are going to see this and go, Hey, I hadn't thought of that. Right. And yeah, I wonder if re you, you think that retailers are prepared for an early surge of shopping with, with consumers being ever more aware of, of the supply chain impact on availability and availability. Yeah. If my in-store shopping experience over the summer has been any indication, they are horribly unprepared. Um, mm. you know, we've, I've been in several stores and, you know, we've been kind of our kids' <laughs> birthdays are during the summertime. <laughs> and so we've been shopping for clothes, you know, all throughout the summer and different things here and there. And there's a couple of stores in particular that we go in and the shelves are just vacant. And you would really, that, yes, it's, it's frustrating because I I'm trying to shop in person. I don't want to do all of my shopping online, especially with, like I said, um, picky, picky girls in, in particular, you know, looking for, for clothes and, and yeah. just accessories in general. But um, there are just some empty shelves and it, it definitely makes me nervous. And it turns me to, to e-commerce, you know, even more, because I know that I can get, uh, I can find what we're looking for. Um, I mean, this could go into a whole bunch of directions <laughs> as far as reverse logistics and returning things and all of that stuff too. But um, it does, it makes me nervous. And, and once I see empty shelves, um, I start not going back to the stores because, um, it takes a lot of my time, you know, to get the kids out, to go out to the stores. 
where I don't have to leave the house to shop online and I can, you know, it's a much easier purchase for, for me, for busy moms in general. But, um, man, I think, I think it's going to be rough. I think it's really going to be rough. So let me share uh, a tool here has a, and I think if I said it wrong, please let us know how we, we say it right. A tool says great question on school supplies, any stats on overall uptick on costs and spend by school administration on increasing the budget to meet that uptick. Now, really quick, I did some Googling very dangerous sometimes, but the United States census bureau uh, released uh, data in May that public school spending per pupil increases by the largest amount in 11 years wow. uh, here in the U.S., 11 years. So um, there's more information. We'll try to drop this into the comments, but a great question. And a tool also says we see construction costs up by 30% due to commodity price and supply chain issues. Is that happening in other sectors? I would say absolutely. Greg, what are your thoughts? So I read a report that that um, lumber prices in particular specifically are back down to their normal levels maybe at at the plant or uh mill level but i haven't seen him quite come back to normal levels in store um but i i think it will start happening so this is a dynamic we discussed ear earlier on the show it seems now it seems like this show has been going really long scott but, <laughs> but i've got an eye on the time we're good but i, I but you know now that people because be, because certain states are not taking the federal unemployment assistance anymore, the clock started ticking and these people will have to get back to work, which means production will come up. And, and the, in many, many cases, this is the, a strange irony here. The employed will soon be earning less than they were as the unemployed because of the, the federal unemployment assistance and their budget for spending will go down. So uh, I think we'll s start to see equilibrium later this month. Let me just preface this or suffice this with, <laughs> with another, this statement one more time. And that is, I am not an economist, but <laughs> it, it does seem to make sense. People are getting back to work. They have less time to spend. People are, their kids are getting back to school. Uh, those activities start there in many cases, I cannot remember what the percentage is, but it was a huge percentage of people on pandemic unemployment assistance. Their pay will actually go down after they're not working or not not working for the government. Um, so I think we'll start to see demand start to balance out from that standpoint and bring some of the prices down on some of that uh, incremental uh, spending, things like building houses, buying RVs, boats. Mm. Right. Um, but... If, as Amanda says, and I think it's, I think it's, you heard it here first. Just remember, you heard it here first from Amanda Luton. That shoppers are shopping earlier to get what they want so they don't run out. I mean, think about when we have the toy of the year, right? And everyone buys it early and then starts selling it on eBay. This year, you're going to have to buy it early just to be able to get it for your own kids, not even hoard it Absolutely. to be right. able to be yeah. a profiteer on it, right? Look what Ziggy says here. We're talking about other cost increases. And Ziggy, great to have you back via LinkedIn. In the lubricants industry, 30% is minimum on the increases due to supply chain material challenges. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Uh, also, Jenny Froome is with us. Hello, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Uh, leader of Sapix. 
says, isn't that just supply chain, though? So many different things making up the end result. And Jenny says, great to hear you, uh, Amanda. So great to have you with us, Jenny. You know, Jenny, um, Jenny and I just knocked out an interview not too long ago, Greg and Amanda, with Ashish, uh, co-founder and CEO with a group called Bank U. Oh, uh, Bank, yeah. Uh, yeah, wonderful. I'll tell you what, if we hooked up Ashish to um, the power grid, <laughs> I think we would address much of our infrastructure. Uh, he's got that much energy and just charisma and passion. And the whole Bank U, I, can't, I won't go into it, but the whole name I love that came story. from... Yeah, came yeah from, I, I uh, saw his story on uh, a post from him on LinkedIn or something like that. Yeah, it's great. It came from a financial uh, banker saying, hey, I, I can't allow you to have an account, but I can bank you, pointing mm -hmm. to the pointing to she. So, uh, so, Jenny, looking forward to releasing that here this week. But back to the topic at hand, and Amanda, we'll, we'll wrap with you first, and then we'll wrap up the buzz here today. What's... Um, What's one other piece of advice, maybe, or observation as that you would like to share as we get into what well, we're in the back back to school mode a lot really early here in Georgia, especially compared to other parts yeah. of the world? Um, gosh, another another bit of advice or I'm not sure. You know, one thing I have noticed too um is increasing, you know, like I said, I do all of our food shopping and everything. I've noticed increases in food. Prices, even at my bargain basement stores that I like to, to shop. Like most. Lidl and Aldi? That's I mean, do you exactly. go to those stores? I We shop from Aldi. <laughs> you know, I still, yeah. I, I was an Instacart um, enthusiast before the pandemic. And matter of fact, um, I'm placing my, <laughs> I was in the middle of placing my Instacart order for our. our Sorry to interrupt your shopping. We need peanut butter. Would you mind? Hey, <laughs> I, I'm a multitasker, right? But um, I've noticed prices going up. I've noticed lots of outages in the stores. Um, but the the key to to shopping, I think, for our family is just flexibility. Is is making sure that we have lots of op or making sure that everybody is open to lots of different options. Um, luckily, you know, we have lots of shopping options in our area. Instacart will pick up and deliver from just about everybody around us, but. But it's taking um, it's taking extra work and it's taking extra time um, to plan and to think about it. You know, we meal plan all week long, and um, uh, it's just taking a little bit extra time. And you know, I'm trying also to be really patient with those retail workers, those people that are placing deliveries, um, and you know, giving lots of grace uh, because I know that they are working super hard. Matter of fact, uh, we <laughs> we placed a pizza delivery order last week that they had to then call me um, to say that, you know, they don't have enough delivery drivers and they had to cancel our order. Um, and so I'm just, I'm trying to be very thankful and very appreciative for the people that are working right now and the people that are, you know, probably dealing with a lot of personalities and a lot of different things right now. I have so, a feeling uh, we're not getting a lot of empathy from some of our listeners, viewers around the world. <laughs> I mean, seriously, these are seriously not, not first just world problems. Yes, not yes, just yes. first world problems, but they are U.S. problems. I mean, yeah. the, right. the level of service that we have come to expect in the states is unbelievable, and it is significantly compromised right now. And I, I got to tell you, in the same moment that I'm so irritated by the fact that it took them ten extra minutes or five extra minutes, whatever, to get to our table at at the restaurant we went to Friday night, I'm like, 
wait, we're at a restaurant. We're not making our own food. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> well, and you know, it's, it's one thing. Or we're not foraging for it, right? I mean. Yeah. And it's one thing to expect a level of service because I think we've, we, you know, we've gotten used to a, a, a high level of customer service, but we need to appreciate it. We need to be thankful yeah. for it and we need to be grateful to the people that are providing it, you know? So I think. That's where I'm. That's where I am right now. I guess no truer words have ever been spoken than what the great freight sage logic. Yeah, no kidding. So we can't uh, my get brother pizza. who came to visit this weekend, my brother who came to visit this weekend was quoting an article or something that said America is five missed meals away from anarchy. It's even fewer missed pizzas right. away from anarchy. But you know, Jenny also says the restaurants. Are open. That's to be grateful for. Especially in Jenny. South Africa, it is very. That's right. Yeah. Good. So, uh, all right, Amanda, we're gonna swoosh you back out. Thanks so much for popping yeah, into the stream you. and thanks sharing some of your POV here fun. today. Yep. <laughs> we'll see you here in just a moment. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Hey, uh, one other thing I wanted to share with you, Greg. Yes. Before we wrap, so the National Retail Federation (NRF), our yeah. friends over there, John Gold and the team. They estimate, according to this NPR report, that families will be spending an average of $849 on back to school. That's 60 more dollars than last year. Wow. And it's supposed to be the back to school shopping overall is supposed to set a record this year, a, a whopping $37 billion. And of course, the entire industry's you know got their finger on the pulse of back to school as an overall economic indicator. So yeah. we'll see, we'll see where the, the tallies land. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I did a lot of business with Staples back in the day, pre-2000, and back when they used to matter, and not just matter, I mean, they were the go-to place for back to school, and they had an entire logistics strategy around getting back to school goods, staging them in an, appro an economically appropriate way, and being available for back to school in the various regions, and and... Um, it's no small logistics challenge because the demand uplift for back to school is so dramatic, even more dramatic than, you know, the Thanksgiving Christmas to Christmas holidays in uh, in the States. So mm. it it was a nightmare, um, frankly. Well, we're going to have to uh, draw some of the, the stories out from you in a later episode, uh, but really have enjoyed today's buzz. I enjoyed chatting through with you these four stories then of course surprisingly yeah. bringing on amanda to talk about back to school and, and share some of the experiences there it here's is here's the lesson there everyone everyone in supply chain needs to get the lesson there you are not predicting the items you're predicting amanda luton <laughs> and and in all seriousness i mean in supply chain we have to recognize that we are not predicting the items we are predicting the consumer Right. And the consumer is going to do something and clearly is doing something different already. And and that's why we have to we have to bridge this gap from understanding what the item is doing and instead understand what the consumer is doing and what is motivating to them to buy what or return what. And that is when we will have a quantum leap in terms of effectiveness in supply chain. Right. Real, real, real agility. When we get to, when we start doing that and right. acting on that very consistently. Hey, Kim Winter, appreciate your comments here. 
It was his evening meal entertainment. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Huge food security movement here at the UAE. Uh, the government self-sustainability is a target. So um, look forward to learning more about that. You know, Kim and I were on a Veteran Voices episode recording last week that we look forward to releasing soon with Mark Ormrod. A lot of powerful story there. But Kim, hope this finds you well and great to see you here today. Precious says, hey, so a lot of a lot of what Amanda spoke to, it's not just a U.S. thing. Interesting. She's experiencing some of the same in Nigeria. It's great to hear, Precious. Um, okay, so I want to wrap just one friendly reminder. Uh, folks, be sure to check out Omnia Partners Connections 2021. As Greg said, learn, network, grow Miami. September 27th through the 29th, we'll be there in person. Looking forward to broadcast live on that first day and then some subsequent follow-up conversations. It's free to attend if you're a supply chain sourcing and procurement leader. So y'all check that out. The link is in the comments. Okay, Greg, I feel like you've shared your top thing to keep in mind from some discussion here today. Anything else you'd like to share before we uh, we wrap? Big thanks to Amanda for coming on like with absolutely no notice and sharing that. That was a fantastic insight. I really think that is powerful stuff. That connection to those people that are making the decisions to make the purchase is what drives supply chain. The consumer is the beginning and the end of the supply chain. Love that. Um, and also uh, I loved her take on, we got a hug on the retail and the service industry folks, you know, mm -hmm. um, they're, they're thankfully starting here in the States, at least getting back into uh, the ability to, to make a living you know, after, you know, being shut down for so long. So gotta, gotta be extra considerate and patient and whatnot, even if you don't feel like it on those uh, after the, the, um, you know, the daily commute or what have you, or the yeah, stresses of the when day. The French fries show up late. <laughs> right. But Hey, to all of our friends that showed up across, across the world, really uh, from Kim and Jenny, uh, uh, is it Gaurav? Gaurav. Gaurav. Sorry, my apologies. Um, I need another cup of coffee on that one. Gaurav, great to have you back via LinkedIn. You'll have to go back and check out some of our conversations here today. Precious, really appreciate your comments from uh, your perspective there in Nigeria and and so many others. Bohib, of course, in Wichita, the cap, the uh, air capital of the world. Always a pleasure to have Mohib join us. But folks, Take a page out of Amanda's book there. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing you can hear today, I think, at least act on today, uh, on behalf of our entire team, hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed, put it in your actions, make it happen. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.